0: Today's guest is C.C. Telfer, a Jamaican-American 400-meter hurdler who in 2019 became the first openly trans woman to win an NCAA title. In her sports career, Cece is continuing to push the boundaries and inspire the culture of athletics to be more inclusive. In this episode, we touch on what the sport of track and field has meant to Cece, and how it has shaped her everyday experience in sport and society. Cece also shares her contributions to the Women's Performance Collective and describes how her partnership with Loop is helping her become a stronger athlete. CC touches on the importance of vulnerability between teammates, between coaches and athletes, and how critical it is to have a strong support system. I love this conversation because Cece touches on how simple things like starting conversations and addressing each other as their true selves can do a lot in changing people's perspective and creating a more inclusive sport culture. Welcome to the Voice in Sport podcast, CC. We're so excited to have you here with us today.
1: Yay, I'm excited to be here. Thank you so much for having me.
0: Well, you clearly are a phenomenal athlete who has, I mean, time and time again, proven just how talented you are. And as a child, you lived in Jamaica and Canada before moving to New Hampshire in high school and ultimately going to college there. So when did you start running track and were you
1: always a hurdler? So I started running track, um, way back in uh, elementary school because they, in Jamaica, they incorporate track as early as they can pretty much, um, so that has always been a part of the jamaican culture so i kind of integrated there when i visited and lived in jamaica as far as hurdling i started hurdling actually my junior year of high school so going into college my coach like looked at me actually first coming from canada being one of the few black kids in school a part of that high school in lebanon new hampshire um joining the track team definitely like you know one of the stereotypes of apart from joining the basketball team, but also like he looked at me and he was like, you're a hurdler. So I was like, I've never done it before. I'm up to trying new things because track is a part of my world. So
0: Amazing. What does that mean? You look at somebody and you're like, you're a hurdler. Like what did he see in you that he was like, (laughs) yep, that's it.
1: (laughs) Honestly, I think it was just how dedicated I was, you know, hurdling and the 400 hurdles is a very, um, Physically driven and dedicated event. Like you have to be 100% committed to that event in order to even do it. You can't have one inch of doubt, one inch of doubt, and you're done. The race will eat you alive. So I feel like he saw that in me and he just immediately was like, We're going to work on you.
0: I love that. I <laughs> also, love that.
1: maybe the ratio of athlete to coach, too, because you know you got to trust your coach at least 99% of the time in order for you to be even a successful athlete. So that was definitely an added aspect.
0: Well, you've also participated in gymnastics, cheerleading, volleyball. Did you feel like any of those sports at an early age actually contributed to your success on the track later in life?
1: Absolutely. So cross-training, I felt as though it enhanced my track abilities because I always had track in my life, so I was always running. Um, Those other sports and activities helped me to like focus my skills, but also broaden my skills in a way. So when I went back to track, I was more focused, I was more in tuned. And the execution was there because I took it more seriously. It was like my, my livelihood. It was like me. So.
0: And why did you stick with track and field all these years? Like, you know, what is it that you find the joy from it?
1: To be honest, as silly as it is, I like what it does for my body, how the the sport really shapes my figure and gives me the image of what I want to see myself physically, it does that for me, and that really keeps me in the game with the added fact that like it helps my mental health, like that running that training aspect of it keeps my mind away from all the distractions around me, so it just keeps me focused, keeps me in tune, and it helps me use that skill in other aspects, like studying. You know what I mean, or like being out in the real world. So, absolutely, yes, we're... track has definitely taught me that.
0: <laughs> well, we're going to talk a lot about those lessons because I really believe that sport is a vehicle for for many things, right? So, what kind of made you stick with sport? You know, over these years, because we're going to talk about how you went to Franklin Pierce University. You ended up competing in both the one hundred meter and the four hundred meter hurdles you basically dominated at both the NCAA Division II Outdoor Championships and the New England Outdoor Championships with times of, I think, like 57-53 and 59-21. So I kind of want to talk about that experience to getting to college. And how did you keep going without burning out? Because I think a lot of our young athletes here listening to this podcast might be in a space where they're not finding their balance.
1: Definitely finding your balance is is really hard, but it's it's a learning skill. It's an acquired skill. Like, I have definitely been an athlete my whole life, so I always had that side of my life to keep me busy, to keep me away from the strenuous lifestyle of my academics and what my parents want me to be. I always had that, like, athletic lifestyle to, to keep me calm and keep me sane. And then, like, it was kind of like a recharge for me. And go back to what I need to do in the classroom or at home or at the workplace. So the motivation to always wanting to be better, always wanting to be my best, fulfill my my full potential and go all the way to the top. The motivation to always wanting to be on top and going to the top and really acquiring the skill of mastering my sport and also the motivation to be the control over scolding and molding the body that i see myself in you know what i mean you know taking ownership of that and like doing it because i can do it for myself and it's not it's not an impossible thing so i like i like the idea of we can achieve the bodies that we want we just have to work hard enough for it. And me working hard at my sport is giving me the body that I want. And all at the same time, getting all the way to the top. So my little quote for competitions, I live by this and now all the other all girls are learning from me, from my, um, my alma mater. It's look good, feel good, run fast and win championships. Like that's what I live by. Like if you look good, you're feel good about yourself, your image, what you exude what you're giving out and you'll perform well. You know what I mean? You'll execute, the execution will be there. And then hopefully in that you'll score a top best or um, something that you're comfortable with.
0: Yeah. I think look good, feel good, play good is definitely a phrase that even I growing up playing sports would say to myself. And I think one of the things that that is tough about that comment is the look good part, right? Like I think there's a lot of body comparisons that happen in sport. And especially when you're transitioning from like high school to college and your body starts shifting. And I, I worry right a little bit about sometimes that look good part. So how do you make sure that like, it's look good for your feel good part, right? It's not look good to try to like compare yourself or get in a position where you go down a bad
1: path. When I say look good, I'm thinking of the mental state, right? Looking good is the mental aspect of it. If you go out there looking the way that you're comfortable seeing how you look, then nothing else around you will will distract you. Nothing else can fade you, right? Whether that be you putting up your hair in a bun that day or you letting your hair down or you chopping your hair off. Like, you, whatever you look in that mirror for competition day and you're like, all right, it's go time. I feel comfortable. Like, I'm good w- with what I physically see in the mirror. Nothing else can phase you. At that point, you're thinking execution, execution, execution. Don't get me wrong. With the nerves and everything, with being a, an elite athlete, there is a uncomfortable nature in competition and performing. And you're just gonna have to be okay, and you get used to that.
0: What would you say to girls out there that might be struggling right now in their like first couple years in college with that transition going to college, like from high school to college, and might be comparing themselves too much to other people around them. Like, how do you stay centered on yourself and that your body is beautiful the way it is? How do you not compare? What advice would you give to the girls that might be in this comparison trap?
1: Right. So the advice that I would give to this comparison trap, as hard as it is, is to focus on yourself. They used to say, focus on the the plate in front of you because if you watch others eat their plate, your food is going to get cold. So while you're putting all the energy into you know, watching them and looking at their physique, their makeup, their body makeup is different from yours, but the energy into your body and what you want to achieve and what you want to get out of it and will come with the patience and the drive, right? And that's what I've been focused on my whole, like my whole athletic career since I was a little kid, you know? So if you put all that focus into yourself, your own body, your own image, the results will pay off.
0: Well, it's such a strong message for girls. And I think when it comes to like overloading, you know, feeling that sense of being overwhelmed or overloaded at school and track and all the personal things that come in that also come with going to college, it's extremely common for student athletes to feel overwhelmed. So did you ever feel that way? And if so, like, how did you deal with it? Did you access any of the resources at your campus, like a sports psychologist or, or lean on the resources that you had there?
1: Yeah, absolutely. So like, like I said before, being a competitor, like going to competitions and even at practice, there's a certain level of anxiety, a certain level of uncomfortableness that comes with it. But you have to see that as normal. You have to get comfortable with being uncomfortable, which is what I'm working on right now. And once you achieve that goal, you'll show up with confidence, you know, you'll exude confidence and Going to practice sometimes makes me nervous. Just the thought of not being able to execute that day or finish that workout, because we have to remember that for track, we're spending three hours in the gym for 30 seconds on the track, right? To 10 seconds on the track. So we really got to make it count every second and every day counts. There's, There's a process to it. You can't just skip a day. So... We always got to think about that. And it's a lot going on and being overwhelmed. You got to remember to center yourself. And at the end of the day, just have fun with it because sports is supposed to be fun and we're supposed to learn from um, failing. You know, it, it helps us grow. That's how I felt relaxed going into nationals. The last thing that I tell myself, I always get so emotional when I compete because I was so like lucky to be there and so grateful to be on that track. So. I tell myself to just have fun with it.
0: Thank you for listening to the Voice in Sport podcast. My name is Cheyenne Knight. I'm a junior soccer
1: player at Howard University and producer of this week's episode. If you're enjoying the episode and would like to get the chance to talk to athletes like her, go to voiceandsport.com join to sign up for a free membership and gain access to exclusive episodes, mentorship sessions, and other weekly content. Don't forget to follow us on Instagram, Twitter, and TikTok at Voice in Sport. Now let's get back to the episode.
0: I love it. So have you ever worked with a sports psychologist and what have you learned from from like working on like the mindset side of how you show up every day on the track?
1: So I haven't d- worked directly with a sports psychologist. However, I worked with an athletic trainer with a sports psychology focus and she has taught me a lot and I shadowed her also for an internship in I've learned that as athletes, especially as elite athletes, when it comes to your athletic identity, it defines who you are and it it takes over you completely, right? When you introduce yourself, you're always gonna introduce yourself as an athlete first and then everything else second. That just shows how you identify strongly with your athletic identity, right? Um also for male athletes more than female athletes it's harder for them to take that mental break and take that time to themselves, as opposed to us um, as females, when we take that time, cause we know when we need that time, it, it's seen as like weakness for us. So with working with a sports psychologist, it's kind of gives you the validation that no, you're going to improve. You're going to do better at the end of the day. So that's one thing that um, working with a sports psychologist has taught me to always take care of yourself. Showing up is number one and you know, no pay no game.
0: <laughs> <laughs> well, we know it's like one of the hardest things of being a student athlete is recovery or, you know, just this idea that it's okay to take a day off, you know, and recover. And and so we have this great partnership with Whoop, which we're super excited about and we know that you're a part of Whoop and the Women's Woo! Performance Collective, so yes. you know, congratulations on being part of that really Thank cool you so team. Much. But, you know, that must also bring to the forefront for you the importance of recovery. So how has WHOOP helped you with recovery and sport performance? And what do you wish you knew back in high school and college now that you're a little bit more open to a day off?
1: Oh, my gosh. Okay. First of all, I want to say I love my partnership with WHOOP. I've never felt so connected with my athletic side and to who I am as an athlete. (sighs) My God, please. Yes. Thank you, WOOP. Second of all, it's just working with WOOP and being a part of this initiative has just taught me so much, especially it's allowed me to see the things that I can not see to help me benefit and help me better myself as an athlete and even as an individual, right? So as athletes, we're always searching for the most efficient way of training. And I feel like whoop offers that technology for us to improve efficiently in our training and i love that like one thing that i wish that i knew before in high school that i know now like is the little things that matter like the sleep sleep is a huge way of recovery and i i I never had sleep i had fear of missing out (laughs) on everything so it was really hard for me to do that. major (laughs) fomo so major so taking time to do that and recover your body like the next day your performance is is Going to be immaculate. And I've had those days where I did get enough sleep and go to practice the next day and wondering how I feel so energetic, how I feel so alive, and how did I execute that so well, you know, with no problems, no soreness, no like aching. So that was definitely like a huge benefit. I like the fact that my Whoop watch and my band, Whoop in general, holds me accountable. It tells you when your strain is, makes you stronger. It gives you that opportunity to see the things that you can't see.
0: Sleep's important. (laughs) I think it's one of the most important things I've learned um, in this partnership with WHOOP. As a mom, as an entrepreneur, and certainly as a former athlete, I never thought about it that way. And knowing now that it's one of the most important things to your performance, I'm like, okay, good to know. Right,
1: (laughs) right. I wish, though, they can help us with the nutrition part. Like, I know there's just so much that they can do, but the nutrition, like, I know that eating right is one of the biggest things for me, and sleeping. Like, no matter how hard it is, like, you just try. And (laughs) sometimes I might not always hit that peak, that peak sleep, but getting close to it, I get super excited because I'm like, look, I almost went to bed when I was supposed to, and I woke up on time, but it's definitely the little things.
0: Well, it's great advice to any young athlete out there listening to this podcast to start paying attention to those little things now, um, like nutrition, like sleep, like recovery, hydration, right? Some of those things that maybe maybe really aren't in the forefront of of your everyday, but like having that as part of your conversation now with your coach or your sports psychologist or nutritionist is definitely key to success.
1: And taking care of your mental health.
0: Yes, let's talk about that for a little bit. I think as athletes, as you mentioned, often we lead with "I am an athlete," and and sometimes then when you're transitioning from different levels within the sport community or even out of sport into a a different career, you you kind of start questioning, "Wait, who am I?" So, for you, what has it been, and what has it meant for you to represent other trans athletes and really? take a stand showing up and talking about everything, who you are and who your identity is and being confident in your own truth.
1: Like it's not easy. So Absolutely. how did,
0: how was that experience for you and how did it impact your mental health?
1: That's a good question. Thank you for that question. Uh, it's definitely not been an easy road. However, thinking about what I'm doing and how it's benefiting the athletes behind me and athletes coming up and athletes that are looking up saying that somebody like me. We look the same with the same body makeup, um, with the same skin tone, you know what I mean? She wears nails. I like wearing nails as an athlete. Like I, I, I hope that they can see that they're not alone for one. And two, that there is a path, there is a way, there is a space, there is a place for them on the track to train, to compete and to be themselves. We'll be there for you. We got you. So I hope that that's what I bring to the table. And, you know, it helps for me. Looking back, I didn't have that research part of me to see somebody in my position. and But there were other athletes like me. Um, I wouldn't say like me in the sense that they were like my race and they were in my sport because there's no athletes really like me out there. But to see other Girls in transition like myself out there playing the sport that they love and being accepted by their teammate is is very powerful in itself. So myself being different being a black girl, I offered myself to my community and to the sport to you know continue this journey and to go all the way to the top so that other girls like myself um, that see me know that we see them and that they can do it too you know I'm offering them a road to be on that path and stay on that path, you know? I feel like sports sometimes like to give off this inclusive environment, but when their inclusivity is challenged, it prevents the students and girls like myself who really have potential to stop doing what they love because when that when they're challenged, they turn us away. You know what I mean? They, there's no inclusivity for us. There is no environment. That shows us that we belong and we matter and that there's a place for us. So me doing this and getting all the way to the top and doing what I'm meant to do, because my time and my journey is not finished, a long way to go, will o- hopefully open up that door and, and show that, that inclusivity and that girls like me belong and we're here to stay.
0: To continue listening to this episode, please go to voiceinsport.com and sign up for free. Cece goes on to share how her personal experiences have helped to shape the woman she is today and how she plans to support athletes following in her path. Head to minute number 18 to get started on voiceinsport.com. This week's episode was produced and edited by Viz creator Cheyenne Knight, a soccer player from Howard University. We are so thankful for Cece sharing her story with us today. We are so excited to see all the incredible things she will achieve in sport and beyond in the future. You can follow Cece on Instagram at Cece Telfer, and please subscribe to the Voice in Sport podcast. Give us a rating and review on Apple Podcasts, and send this episode to a friend that you think might enjoy the conversation. You can follow us on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, and TikTok at Voice in Sport. And if you're interested in joining our community, sign up for free at voiceandsport.com to get started. When you join Voice and Sport, you gain access to our exclusive content and podcasts, mentorship sessions from professional athletes, and access to the top viz experts in sports psychology and nutrition. You might also wanna check out other episodes featuring track athletes like episode number 70 with hurdler Carell Edwards, where she talks about handling abusive coaching relationships. See you next week on the Voice in Sport podcast.